Hey everyone, welcome back to Open Arms Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again. And thank you so much for emailing me. I love hearing from you. And I'm going to read an email on this episode that I received that I think everyone will appreciate unpacking. Um, It's about divorce. And again, not my favorite topic to discuss, but it's important. And there's a lot of misconceptions behind divorce, especially in the church. And so I wanted to dive into that to the best of my ability and start off by reading this email that I received. She says, hey, Margaret, I feel like you can probably relate to this, but I was raised in a house and numerous churches where divorce was just a no-no. No one really talked about what happens if you have biblical grounds. Obviously, just because you do doesn't mean you should or have to leave. But what do you do after years of staying and clinging to hope of restoration when their behaviors continue? I've had a lot of guilt because of that. But at the end of the day, I can walk away saying I did everything I could to fight for my marriage. It doesn't make it sting any less, but I know the Lord will use this for his glory. Wow, that is a very heavy email. I can totally relate to it. I can totally relate to being in a church environment and in a Christian home where divorce was something that was unacceptable. And I remember feeling the weight of that and struggling with that so much when I was going through it and having to make those decisions. I think the heaviest part about it is the children. It's when kids are involved and you feel like their future is in your hands. And even if your decisions were not responsible for the divorce, there's a guilt that you carry around when you were involved in a divorce whether it was your fault or not. And so I think it's something that we have to talk about. I think that guilt is a very dangerous thing to walk around with. I think that the enemy loves us to feel guilty and he does everything in his power to take something true, maybe something from the Bible or something good And twist it just a little bit to make us believe in a lie. And then the emotions follow. And it could be removed if we just unpacked the misconceptions. And asked ourselves, okay, what is going on in my mind when I feel this guilt, when I feel these emotions? What is behind this? What is it that I'm telling myself that is creating this negative, heavy feeling? And then you look at what you're telling yourself, you look at what you're believing, and then you ask, is it true? Is this what the Word of God actually says? And then if you realize that it's not, then that can help you. That can be step one in letting go of that guilt. Let me give an example from my story. I remember struggling for months 
um, just over and over and over again, struggling with my child's future and knowing that everything pointed to getting a divorce, but what about my child? And I even had a Christian friend ask me when we were talking about this, have you considered your son in this decision? And I I couldn't even believe it. Um, And I was actually a little bitter about that question for a while. But yeah, of course I'm considering him. That is the biggest thing that I am considering in the midst of making this decision. That is the biggest consideration. And I think it is for most women. Um, I, I do wonder if there's women who actually are only thinking about themselves and not thinking about their children. Um, but I assume that most women are weighted down by the fact that they wanted their children to grow up in a home with a mom and a dad. And all of a sudden, that is something that they are not providing for their child. So one of the things that my mentor told me when I was talking to her about this on the phone, I kept saying over and over again, I just want my son to be happy. And I feel like I'm taking away his happiness by getting divorced. Because isn't his biggest need to grow up in a home with his mother and father. And I was just convinced of it. And I was so heartbroken that I was taking away his joy. And she said to me, well, what is the root of his joy? What is the thing that will ultimately make him the happiest? Is it having married parents or is it his relationship with God? And I realized that as amazing as it is to give a child a home with a mom and a dad, a married mom and a dad, that is a great gift. And as amazing as that is, it is not the most important thing that you give your child. And like I said, The guilt comes from the enemy twisting something true. Yes, it is very true that children need their mom and dad at home, that they thrive in that environment, that that is the ideal best home environment for the child. So that misconception didn't come from nowhere. Like there's a reason why I believed that. I understand the the benefits of that for children. But what I was doing and the root of my unhappiness was coming from the enemy twisting that truth and and taking that good thing and placing it over God and his role in my son's life. And I was letting him do it. I was thinking and operating under the idea that the most important thing in my son's life is his parents' marriage. Oh man, is it a big deal? Absolutely. His parents' marriage is a huge deal and has a huge influence over his life. But the reality of it 
is that God's influence over him, his own relationship with Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit filling him, that is more important than anything. That is even more important than his parents' marriage. And that was hard for me to come to terms with, but it is the truth. And articulating that helped me when I started to feel that guilt creep in once again. I was able to tell myself, I am still giving to my child the most important thing, the very thing that he needs, which is the Lord. I am teaching him the Bible I'm praying that he gets a relationship with God. I am I'm offering to him a Christian home. And that joy that will fill him by the Lord will be greater than anything else. Is it heartbreaking that his parents are divorced? Absolutely. But ultimately, his greatest need is salvation. His greatest source of joy and comfort is the Holy Spirit. It isn't mommy and daddy. It's the Holy Spirit. And I had to remember that and I had to remind myself of that every time the guilt started to creep in. There's a lot of other misconceptions that I identified as I was working through my own guilt And so I wanted to just go through a few of those because I'm assuming people in my situation can relate to it. One of the things that really honestly still kind of bothers me is feeling like the divorce was my fault even though I was not the guilty party. It was my fault because I shouldn't have even dated or married him. I should have been smarter and seen all the red flags. There was a couple people that asked me through this process, well, did you notice any red flags? And what they didn't know is that that made me feel guilty. It made me feel like they were saying, well, why didn't you prevent this? And I had to grapple with, okay, what about the red flags? Like, What do I do about feeling the guilt of maybe I could have prevented this even though I didn't destroy my marriage? It's my fault for even walking into it. Why didn't I run away, you know, when I noticed a couple issues? And um, I was talking to some really good friends about struggling with this. And two of my girlfriends um, on separate occasions basically told me, hey, It could have been me, Margaret. It could have been me. When I was younger, I dated a guy who ended up being an alcoholic. And if he had never broken up with me, then I would have married him. And I had another friend tell me the same exact thing. I was in love with this guy. The only reason why we didn't get married is because he broke up with me. And now I know about his life. Years later, the true version of him came out and I'm really glad that he broke up with me but it could have been me if he did not reject me I would have gotten married to him 
And I really appreciated their honesty and their humility in, in helping me see that sometimes this stuff just happens and sometimes you break up with them if it's not going well or they break up with you and that ends up protecting you. And then sometimes you get married. And I had another wise person tell me everybody gets married and they see some areas of growth in the other person. And sometimes once the people get married, one person grows and the other person chooses not to. And so it doesn't mean that it's your fault for noticing some issues and then walking into it. It is still the other person's fault for not growing up, for not maturing, or for choosing to make their issues worse and worse and worse. There's a phrase that says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I remember struggling that with that phrase in my mind when my former spouse would repeatedly do things that would betray me and hurt me. And I remember, I don't know if it was just the Holy Spirit or if I had a conversation with someone, but I remember realizing that that saying is not actually accurate. And the whole concept of red flags and that being the source of your guilt is basically saying, if you fool me once, shame on me. Like if you even do it at all, I should have noticed it ahead of time and just totally avoided it. And that's just not realistic. That is way too much pressure to put on yourself. And there's grace and forgiveness for the past. Even if you did walk in on a bad relationship and you regret it, there's grace. There's so much grace for that. But the the saying goes, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. As if, okay, so maybe there were no red flags and the person betrays you and you're, and you're upset and it's their fault. But then if they do it again, that saying implies that it all of a sudden the second time is your fault because you should have avoided it having this insight into their decisions, into their behavior. And God just kept showing me over and over again, no, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you again. If somebody lies to you, if somebody betrays you, if somebody hurts you, it's never your fault. It's not your fault if somebody lies to you. It's not your fault if somebody betrays you. And so if you're feeling guilty because they fooled you once and you should have noticed the red flags, or if you're feeling guilty because they they fooled you twice and you should have known it from the first time, You need to let that guilt go because the truth is you are not the one that should be feeling the guilt. The person who hurt you, the person who sinned against you, the guilt rests on them. And so you can lift that burden off of yourself if the, if the, if the red flags misconception is weighing on you. The other misconception that again, I, heard from a friend who meant well, but it it hurt my feelings. And I realized, wow, that's not actually true, especially in my situation. She said, some women get cheated on and they forgive. And some women just can't 
forgive. And I understand that. She was basically saying there's two options. There's forgiveness and then there's divorce. And the women who get divorced are the women who just can't forgive. And that's okay because they got hurt. Well, no, first of all, it's not okay if you can't forgive. Forgiveness is mandated in the Bible. But then also, it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. And it just wasn't true for me. I divorced my husband after I forgave him. And in fact, forgiveness is what enabled me to see the situation clearly. It talks about in the Bible, the person who hates his brother is so blinded that they can't even see what they stumble over. And hatred is not going to help you see your situation correctly. And so it was after I forgave him and my eyes were open that I was able to see, oh, I'm not the problem. My unforgiveness is not the problem. The problem is my environment. The problem is what I'm living inside of that is, that is destructive and hurting me and I need to get out. So I don't agree with the concept of just get divorced because I can't forgive you. Because then you're going to be walking through this journey unable to heal. And the goal is to heal. The goal is to become whole again. The goal is not to remain broken. You're getting out of an unhealthy situation to become whole You are not getting out of an unhealthy situation to get worse. And don't think that someone got divorced just because they couldn't forgive. Maybe they are amazing forgivers. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it was their situation. So that is something, too, that's important to correct, I think, just really in the church culture. Um, And that takes us to this concept of having biblical grounds for divorce. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around this idea of biblical grounds. I think that it's common for people in the church to know that there are biblical grounds for divorce, but then we add all these things onto it that are wise things that can be helpful things depending on the situation But they're not biblical. They're not actually found in scripture. They might be true for some people, but because they can be helpful and wise pieces of advice doesn't mean that they're the same thing as biblical. And so when I got divorced, I think I operated under the assumption that I had biblical grounds for divorce, you know, number one, if there was infidelity and sexual immorality by the other party, but then I added all these other things onto it. You know, they have to be unfaithful, but you have to give it all you got until you are a puddle on the floor. You have to have gone to counseling for years. You have you had to have read every book on this topic. You had to have prayed three times a day 
for your marriage. You had to wait until you just couldn't wait any longer. And you have to wait for everyone in your life to give you the nod of approval. And then you can leave. Then you have biblical grounds. And the truth is, that's actually not what the Bible says. Maybe sometimes hanging on for a long time is important. Maybe sometimes you need to feel like you gave it all you got. But it actually doesn't say that in scripture. It doesn't say they commit adultery and you have to go through these 17 different steps before God gives you the green light. No, like God gave you the green light when they were sexually immoral. And yes, it is up to you to be wise and discerning and to listen to the Holy Spirit. But don't tell yourself the Bible is telling you that you have to do A, B, C, and D things. Okay, like let that be an area of liberty. Let that be something that you're walking with other people, pursuing wisdom. Yes, that's important. But the verse actually only says in the cases of sexual immorality. It doesn't say anything else. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about what the Bible says about divorce. And I wanted to start in Matthew 18, actually. And I wanted to talk about the Matthew 18 principle is what my Christian school called it growing up. It's basically a way of handling somebody sinning against you. So the first thing you do when you're sinned against is you go to the person and you confront them with their sin. And if they don't repent, if they don't respond well, you go to them again and you take people with you this time to support you and to basically help you make your case. And if they don't respond well, and if they don't repent, then you tell the church about it. And you basically give the church the authority to handle this situation the way that they see fit. And so that is a, that is a biblical principle, and I do think that it applies to this issue of getting divorced. But it's funny to me how the passage goes from talking about the Matthew 18 principle, and then it jumps right into the parable about forgiveness. And then after that, it jumps right into teaching about divorce. And I think that that is significant because I think once we follow that, that Matthew 18 principle, and we follow the teaching about forgiveness, we are able to see clearly what Jesus is saying about divorce. And so I think that that order in scripture is important. And I love how Jesus in Matthew 19 avoids the argument of divorce and all the the controversy around it and he just takes us back to creation and he takes us back to God's intention for marriage and 
And again, he is trying to communicate to these people that divorce is permitted, but it is not required because they were operating under the assumption that if the person committed adultery, they had to divorce them. And so people were getting divorced left and right. And Jesus was saying, no, it's permitted, but it's not required. And I think that nowadays, nobody thinks that divorce is required if a person has committed adultery. And we understand that we have permission to get divorced if the person has been sexually immoral. But I think that we have let Satan creep into our ideas so much that we know we have permission, but we operate under the understanding that we have permission with guilt. You can get divorced, but you need to be getting divorced with guilt. You need to be overthinking it. You need to be owning it, even if it's not your fault. You need to be burdened by what you have involved yourself in and the destruction that it has brought, you know, your community. And that's not in the Bible. Jesus doesn't say you have permission to get divorced with guilt tagged onto it. He just says that you're permitted. That's all. That's all he says. He doesn't say that you need to do all these things that you feel pressure to do. He just says that it's allowed. And the analogy that God used to kind of help me with this when I was going through my own divorce was stoplights. And I would tell the Lord, I know that I have permission to get divorced because of the sexual immorality. I know that that's permitted. Kind of like it is permitted when you're driving to turn right on red. If there's no cars coming, you are allowed to turn right on red, right? That is permitted. And I told the Lord, I know that it's permitted that I leave. But this is so hard for me, God. I need you to show me a green arrow. I don't want a red light that I'm allowed to turn right on red. I want a green arrow showing me you are free to move forward without stopping and no one is going to be getting in your way. Like, go girl. Like, I need to see a green arrow. Even though I could have turned right on red. And so God took me through a few things that to me showed me that he was giving me a green arrow. And that was something that was between me and the Lord. And there was different things that I kind of checked off the list where I was like, okay, that was a green arrow. That was a green arrow. That was a green arrow. Was any of that listed out in scripture? No. Was there a checklist provided for me in the book of Matthew? No. That was between me and the Lord. And that was me being honest with God about what I needed. But I would never tell somebody you know, this is what you need to do and this is how you need to move forward. 
it was helpful to me and it was gracious of the Lord to show me those things and to gently lead me in that direction when he knew I was kicking and screaming. I wanted to also talk about the pain and everybody experiences pain differently and I was operating often under the misconception that because it hurts it must be wrong you know life is good everything is good if everything feels good and so if something doesn't feel good there must be something wrong there must be a problem and the reality of it is that if you're going through a divorce it should hurt it's the tearing apart of being one flesh and that is not supposed to feel good when when something that is joined together gets torn apart it's supposed to feel bad not because it should feel bad and you're being punished but because you're going through surgery and you're going through recovery and it was that big of a deal it was that big of a break it's like when they when they break your arm to reset it so that when it heals it heals correctly it's like having knee surgery and the surgery is more painful than the pain that led you to go to the doctor in the first place and the recovery is even worse than the pain that led you to go to the doctor in the first place but it's important to notice the different types of pain that the pain that you were going through perhaps in your marriage was a symptom of a problem it was the symptom of a sickness right when your body has pain and you think ah there's something not right here I need to go get this fixed I need to go to the doctor something is wrong and God made your body to feel pain to alert you to those problems that's different than surgery hurting but being something that is going to heal you and make you whole again and that's different than the pain of recovery as well and so don't let the enemy tell you oh you're in pain you must have done something wrong or this situation is wrong actually there is pain that can be beneficial to you and there can be pain that is appropriate for what happened right like if you fell off of a building and busted your head open of course you're in pain of course they're rushing you to the hospital that was a big deal you could have died of course you're in pain don't beat yourself up over that so 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 what i'm trying to say is the reason that you're in pain is because divorce is a really big deal and everybody the whole community feels the pain of your divorce your kids your extended family your church your friends it's like it's like feeling an earthquake and so you don't need to feel guilty if it hurts because 
it's supposed to hurt just like surgery is supposed to hurt and recovery is supposed to hurt. And the doctor tells you, hey, just so you know, this is going to hurt for this amount of time or this surgery is going to hurt when I do this or, you know, this is going to hurt for two weeks. Let me know if it hurts longer than that. It's under control. It doesn't mean that there's a problem. Your pain could mean that things are getting better and that you're on the road to recovery. And don't forget that God says that he hates divorce. So if you are struggling and you're hurting and you hate what you're going through, take comfort in the fact that God hates it too and that God sees it and feels it and that you're experiencing God's heart when you feel the pain of divorce. He hurts when we hurt and we are feeling his his emotions and his hatred of divorce when we go through it. And I've always thought, if God says in the Bible, I hate divorce, but then Jesus, who is God, says that it is permitted in the cases of sexual immorality, that must mean he hates sexual immorality worse than divorce. So he's not punishing you. He's taking you on the road to recovery and you do not need to be discouraged because you're in pain that doesn't mean it's your fault you don't need to be discouraged when you think about your children because giving them jesus christ giving them the gospel giving them the bible is giving them everything that they need and you don't need to feel guilty And think that you're not a good forgiver. If you have been forgiving, if you have been gracious, you need to just close that door of feeling like I got divorced because I couldn't forgive. That's a myth. And you don't need to feel like a bad mom. I remember when the feeling of being a bad mom was just really overwhelming me and really stealing my joy and really affecting me every single day. And I was just struggling with it. It was right after my divorce. And I was just constantly thinking about how terrible this situation was. And I brought it to the Lord. And I wanted to close by telling you about a dream that I had And how I woke up and it really set me free from beating myself up so much about the divorce. I had a dream that we were playing in the cul-de-sac in my parents' neighborhood. And everything was awesome and it was a sunny day and we were just playing, me and my son. And I look up and a truck, like an 18-wheeler, is flying down the street of the neighborhood and isn't stopping and crashes into my child and I remember in the dream like freaking out and wanting so badly to just cry and to just hold my baby and tell him I'm so sorry that I let this happen I should have been paying more attention and I just felt this temptation to just sob and sob and sob 
and feel terrible over this truck running into him. But instead of doing that, in the dream, I scooped him up in my arms and I rushed him to the hospital. And that was the dream. And God showed me through that dream that I was doing the right thing. It would not have been good for me in the situation of an emergency, in the situation of danger, to sit and lament my situation when what my child needed was to be rushed to the doctor. I would not have been a good mom to just sit there and cry and give up and mope around because of my regrets of not saving his life before he got hit by the truck. Being a good mom was scooping him up and rushing him to the hospital, setting aside my grief and my discouragement and doing what I needed to do to save my child's life. That was being a good mom. And I felt like God was saying, you are doing exactly what you need to be doing. Don't spend your day moping and crying and feeling all of this sadness and guilt because of the situation that you're in. Pick up your kid and walk the road of recovery. Go get help. Start the healing process. That is being a good mom. I am not asking you to mope. I do not delight in you feeling guilty. What I am proud of is you scooping your child up in your arms and walking toward healing and hope and a new life. That is what I'm asking you to do as a mother. So resist the temptation to just grieve constantly what could have been. We don't have time for that. You need to lay aside your regrets. Lay aside the sad reality of this situation. And you go do things that are going to make it better. Go do things that are going to bring you healing and joy and recovery. And don't stop and don't look back. And that dream really encouraged me. And I hope that it resonates with you as well. And that you can lay aside your guilt and take some pride in the fact that you are being strong and that you are doing what is best for you and your child and that God is never desiring you to feel guilty when you feel that vague sense of guilt where you you feel guilty but you're not sure why you need to reject it and if it persists you need to unpack it and you need to identify the lies and the misconceptions that are creating this guilt. And I'd love for you to email me and let me know some things that are really helpful for you or maybe some areas that you're struggling with in the area of guilt so that we can unpack those together. And I appreciate you taking the time to hear me out on this topic. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your week 
walking in freedom and walking toward healing. And I will talk to you again next week.